This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and that modern Australia has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following European arrival. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 153 for 23rd of September 2022. I'm Jeremy Sipiko, and each week I'm joined by a guest host to discuss what's just been happening in Australia, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is the returning guest host and uh, probably who you're expecting to have as the guest host suddenly show up, uh, didn't my beloved wife Denise. Welcome back Denise. Hello, well, good to be here. We last recorded this podcast on the last day of Scummo. We were hopeful, but we weren't mm-hmm. We weren't counting our chickens based on what happened three years earlier. And at that point, of course, none of us knew the full extent of the deranged lunacy that was... Were, like, we already knew that there were a lot of terrible things about Scubbo in yeah. terms of what he did publicly. Yes. What we didn't know is about all the weird, creepy, authoritarian crap he was doing privately. Yeah, um, like the, getting himself sworn into ministries so he could... Several, lots of secret ministries where yeah. the, the ministers themselves didn't know. And where you've got the, the uh, Nationals, the, the coalition partner, basically saying, well, look, we, we didn't quite know what was going on, but we weren't going to ask any questions because we'd already been able to hold them up to ransom to provide um, all these bribes to our local electorates. So yeah, exactly. We were just like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever he wants to do, we'll, we'll just... Exactly. And that he had a uh, a policy committee that was like really a committee of one. Oh, that's this week's revelation. Yeah, and that... Apparently- Literally this week. So this is a story from like, what, two or three months ago? Yeah. Where he's like, oh, he had all these these ministries and, and his excuse was, I needed it to uh, protect Australia in, in, from from COVID and bushfires and things like that. Oh, exactly. And he needed the, uh, the policy committee to protect Australia and to be more efficient in how they reviewed the policies. Apparently, it met like 739 times, but they've only been able to get like 66 sets of the minutes from Freedom of Information. As he says, he's not into the day-to-day politics anymore. He's just, you know, a local MP for a, a Sydney seat. It's bizarre. Anyway, we don't have to deal with him anymore. Well, actually, we still do because he still hasn't gone anywhere. It's like normally Prime Ministers at this point resign and move on to do something else with their lives because it's a bit humiliating. Well, probably around get in. put into the AAT. Yeah, if you get... Okay, if you're a Prime Minister and you get thrown out by your own party, you sit around on the backbench and plot to come back again. If you're a Prime Minister and you lose an election... Oh, you get, like, a fancy job on a board somewhere, you know? Well, yeah, like, like um, Josh Rodenberg did. He got, he, he got served from his seat, but he got... Um, he immediately was rewarded by... Isn't Goldman Sachs or something he went for? Like, it's exactly oh, who you'd expect. Wasn't he going to retire and spend time with his family? That great reward for men who lose politics is they finally are going to, you know, do that thing and deign to pay attention to their families? Is, anyway, you, you must be, might be thinking, it's September. Why am I hearing a, a pod, listening to a podcast that's about the wash-up of something that happened? Look, who, who, who can count how long ago it was since our last episode? Anyway, I can't. I'm not going to try. But the point with the AAT is, the other thing that's being investigated from Morrison is that right before the election, they extended a bunch of their liberal appointments to the AAT, which now it's being um, challenged because they aren't actually sure that they can extend people before their terms are up. 
Oh, and also, they did a lot of... I mean, this is classic LMP stuff when they, they think they're going to lose. Um, they also... Because um, they'd offered a whole lot of bribes, including to the Governor General, who was doing all the secret appointments to his various charities, which the Labor's now going to um, looking at cancel, which is a step up from Labor, because what Labor usually does, when the Liberals come in, mm-hmm. they remove all of the Labor appointments to, to all the, the, the Plum Overseas postings. And when Labor comes in, they keep on the ones for the Liberals because they want to be the big boys. And there's, there's going to be a theme of this, this um, episode, actually, a bit, because one of the, the brain worms that Labor has is thinking that doing right-wing shit makes them the bigger people. It's, oh, it it's West-wing brain. It's, um, it, it shows that they can do make the tough calls when needed. Yeah, I, I think they, they literally get a, a glow in their hearts. They feel like if they're doing something that's politically unpopular because it's stupid... But uh, and it's something that's uh, that the right that you know is opposed to what they say they believe in. Then they're being realists. They're being they're compromising. They're you know they're they're making the right decisions even when it's politically different difficult. Like they have worked into their brains, or they have been gradually indoctrinated over the years to feel. Maybe it's, maybe things like the West Wing are a big part of that. Like where they te- where what they teach these centre-left people who have become centre-right mm-hmm. people is that there's no virtue higher than working with your opponents, which is not a thing that their opponents think of at all. Their opponents are like, no, no we'll do, we'll go, we'll take every trick to get everything we can and burn the thing down because fundamentally we hate lefties. They're rude to us at university. They treat us like shit. We hate them. Then we hate their guts. And also, they're opposed to our, our primary goal, which is to um, acquire personal wealth uh, for ourselves. Exactly. And our mates and our social class. Anyway, so... So in terms we're... of in terms of cancelling things, that Labor is looking at cancelling the David Hurley thing, the the, the thing for the Governor General, the, yep. that one. Um, I don't know if they can undo the the, the gifts to the, the the AAT things, which is you know ongoing harm. Labor has since... well, they're, apparently they're going to make a legal challenge. That just came out in the newspaper uh, in, the, in the news this week that they're going to uh, challenge it. Good, because because uh, setting up those appointments, because you know, we have an independent judiciary. It's not quite like you know, Trump appointing a bunch of judges in the US, but. What the AAT does, particularly, like you've got people like Sophie Panopoulos and, and, and as a commissioner in the Fair Work Commission, mm. like a, a far right fringe lunatic conservative, no, not conservative, right winger, making decisions about workers' entitlements is just deranged. They, they anyway, and, and they really did stack the, the tribunals. So there's that. Um, and in fact, let's come back to what Labor's been like in government. But before we do that, I suppose we should touch in because it's still only what a week since our glorious colonial ruler passed away and was replaced by another glorious colonial rule and we were, we we part we, we had the public holiday yesterday that, mm-hmm. that um, Anthony just declared because again I mean labor feels that it has to <laughs> the more it bends over for the monarchists the more it, it removes the, the stain of being called a lefty oh gosh the, the, literally the ABC programming for, for the, the last weekend was just all like queen 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 literally you looked at the program guide it was from from 4 a.m to 6 a.m Queen Elizabeth II parts of it. From 6am to 7am, Queen Elizabeth II. Like, it was literally this list of just the same thing. Well, and today when Parliament is finally back, um, they're spending the day literally saying their condolences to the Queen and every member gets five minutes. Rather than, I don't know, dealing with the getting rid of the cashless debit card or or federal ICAC or things that actually would matter. Yeah, and the things that were supposed to be on the schedule for this week before Parliament was suspended. Oh, you know what? I probably should... It might be nauseating, but maybe for the next episode I should actually sort of pull out some of the... The speeches from Hansard for for today for the Queen, just just as a like a, a montage of lameness and and like it got to the point. I where, am curious about Peter Dutton's because he is the one who said like you know she is the greatest woman that ever lived and 
and all of these things that like he apparently spoke this morning and uh, I'm curious to, to know what that right, is. We'll put, we'll put I one. think there's going to be some better ones. I think a couple of the Green Senate senators have talked about colonialism and treaty and I think that's what the people should be talking about. But now about. is not the time to talk uh, about the things that are directly associated. Like, the, this thing, this thing, you can't speak ill of the dead. Um, but, but you shouldn't go around abusing people at their funerals. Like, you don't go around to somebody's and they'll be like, your mum sucked! Glad she's dead! Like, that would be pretty horrible. However, if it's a political figure to the extent that they're going to shut down an entire country, and well, mm. the, the English thing with the queue and all, it's, it's, you know, obviously this is where we're well aware that the English had a queue that went for like, what, five miles or something insane? Yeah. It was just, just what, why would you... Anyway, and, and the greatest scandal in the UK is apparently two TV people cut into the line and they're like, no, no, it was journalism. And they're like, filthy queue, you've committed the greatest sacrilege. People were born in the queue. The people behind them <laughs> think that those children are, you know, That's line right. cutters. Queue the queue, the queue expends to, extends to Sweden now. The fact that they were literally arresting people who would hold up a sign saying, abolish the monarchy or call out to Andrew. Um, you know, <laughs> you're a disgusting person. Um, they, they were literally arresting people for objecting. So mm. this idea that you can, that if a political figure dies, only nice things can be said about them. No, no, no. If, if John Howard dies, we're not enti- we're not required to. So his supporters <coughs> will be, and the ABC will be, everybody will be, so the right, and that based on what we've had this last week, will include the ABC. They will be publishing hagiography. Mm. Now, if you just let that, if we were, we're not required to let that through to the keeper. No, we're not. It's not that we're going to go around to his family and, and shove at his funeral and abuse his family. But, but he did a lot of things that caused a lot of, a lot of harm to Australians. And this process, this process following the death of a, of a, a prominent political figure, and the Queen counts as a prominent political figure. She's not above politics. She definitely... When you she can't props see up they... the colonialist uh, oppression and systems that we... Uh, live under and that our society is created under. And in fact, she directly propped some of them up, especially if you're looking in, you know... Oh, in the 50s and 60s. And they, they, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that she yeah. they were opposed to. They, they, they were not neutral. They no. were, um, and, and even even just simply, when they say what she stood for, those values are not neutral either. No. The things that they say... Well, everything has a very right-wing tinge, the things that they, they claim that were her great virtues. Um but, but you look at like even her messed up family and and just how the weird wild stuff happens there. Like even uh, like on a but like just like if you take it away from the political, like I don't actually think she was that nice a person. Well, <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing that gets me. So we'll talk about about the, the propaganda after she dies. But during her life, like the hold that the British monarchy has on on the people at the top of that country, even if it doesn't have direct power to. You can't exercise power like it did back before Magna Carta or whatever, but everybody at the top of British society and politics wants to suck up to the Queen to be rewarded. There's lots of powers and rewards and gifts and things they can do. Nobody wants to be the one who's... Revolutionary fervour is very much smothered. And and you saw it you saw it this week, obviously, after she died. Like Anybody who was even vaguely critical was, was run out of town. Yeah. And the right was doing their version of cancel culture, which... Everything, this thing, everything they accuse us of, of people being offended mm. and cancelling things, is they're things that the right has always done. And th- what they really can't stand is it ever being done even vaguely back to them by the people who don't have power in the first place. Yeah. Anyway, what I was thinking of, there's two different things. So one is, after she died, they had this entire op- Operation London Bridge, which isn't a neutral one. Of, like, the way the BBC would refer to it, it was like this, this great organised thing for the benefit of the British public and so forth. No, it isn't. It was 100% a means of 
ensuring that the monarchy retained its power and prestige from one generation to the next, as it would transition yeah. from Elizabeth to Charles. That is 100% all it was. And it, none of it was about the benefit of the public. It was all about establishing, uh, reinforcing their, their power and privilege. And it was, and the operation itself must have cost a lot of time, and and so it cost them a lot of money, given how much God, energy, yeah. how detailed this plan was. But again, like we've somehow managed to sell, they've managed to sell something which is basically blatant propaganda as some kind of great achievement of the country. No, it isn't. It's an achievement of the ruling class over the rest of you, but it's not an achievement for the benefit of, of the British public. But even then, everything people think about that she was a nice old lady, and she was, she seemed always nice, and she seemed always. That's a carefully manufactured public image. None of yeah, you know the Queen. You've absolutely. never met her. You're just going, yes, okay, with all the best resources and, and people you know, at her disposal, they were able to sell her as a sweet, harmless old thing. Oh, exactly. Like, that's, that's not real. And you also have a lot of people who've, like, everything they've learned about the Queen, they've learned through the Crown or other such things and, you know, fictionalised accounts or just as fictionalised accounts, which are the pictures and stories that you see sold by the marketing mogul that lives behind her as yeah. part of the as part of the royals. So when you see her Christmas message, okay, she's not like foaming at the mouth and shouting epithets. She's a well, they, they craft it carefully to be, to maintain this image of this person who is above it all. Mm. And and uh, sweet and kind and polite, and they can produce pictures of her. I mean, she doesn't have to do anything, so they can produce images of her doing charity and so forth. But you know, the the, the firm is, as they call it, is yeah. is, a, is a closed shop, powerful organisation that is dedicated to nothing more than its own maintenance of power and privilege and in, 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 in that society. And like, how people have been fooled. It makes me feel the fact that people. Human beings from... Okay, if this was North Korea and somebody overlaid um, mm. footage of the Queen the, 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 the queen procession and the crowds and so forth with um, audio of the BBC describing North Korea... Oh, that was fascinating. It, it really... And it really fit. Um, and, but when we, when we look at this... When we look at North Korea and, and the, the public there screaming out their love for, for the Kims, mm. we don't... Nobody's fooled into thinking that's genuine. And, well, but... It probably is genuine at this point because you've, you've grown up in that, like you adopt as a means of personal survival, you adopt what that society is about. Mm. But but everybody recognises that that's just a result of oppression and propaganda. And yet when the English do exactly the same thing, we seem to look at it like it's something holy and glorious and real and that people's feelings about a person they've never met, they're just yeah. they're regurgitating what they've been told by the telly and the radio and the people that the and, like, and to a degree even further than anyone you have on TV or like a movie star or any of that where people often feel like they know someone because of interviews and the way things happen because this person has been an institution and and been made an institution and their family is an institution we see them as oh well we know them we feel like we know them oh look at that cute picture of her with Paddington like <laughs> did they kill Paddington too is that what they're trying to tell us they do, you're right they keep having a picture of, of her in heaven like having passed on and she's holding Philip's hand in one, one yeah. and then Paddington in the other like you're right did they kill has anyone checked on Paddington is he okay also I really really want to see the footage do you know how, like, obviously they've got they've been putting that bit from one of the Paddington movies where they literally have him sitting across from the queen yes yeah but Paddington's not real he's a CGI character so I want to see the footage of the queen talking to a stick mm. down under the table but again, that's another thing. Is like they know what image they want to have for her, 
that works for them politically. Yeah. And they are very good at crafting it and maintaining it. And it's not that hard an image to maintain. It's not like the Queen has to do anything other than she can easily walk around seeming benevolent on the surface. Like, it's, it doesn't threaten her at all. It's pretty easy yep. for her to show up at stuff. People are always... And, and she always has this aura of power because everyone around her is sucking up to her. Yeah. But the amount of money that just gets... Anyway, I don't actually think the monarchy brings in as much money to the UK in tourism, etc., as it does actually expend in expenses. Well, they've set things up so they can say that they don't get money from the public because what they do, they've set up their mm. vast land holdings such that they fund themselves. Um, and I think some comes back. But but that's assuming that it's fine. That, do like, it, but like, even here in Australia, do you realize how much land is still owned by the Crown? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like it's it's wild. Are we go a all public, the... a public holiday today? Yesterday for the for the Queen's death, uh, setting Parliament aside and and having a public like I'm I'm never going to oppose public holidays, although they should be set out in advance so people can take advantage of them rather than just a chaotic one a week out. Oh, and like uh, working with a group of people who work with Asian community care and that sort of thing, the amount of rescheduling and reworking that had to happen, like it threw a lot of things into disarray. But you know what? Do you know what the, what this the good thing is? This has shown us how easy it is to set a new public holiday. So how about on Nidoc week or on Sorry Day, we put in like a day. Wouldn't that be perfect? Uh, no. It's because no. it's so easy to just set a new public holiday. The government could just have an Indigenous Day of Recognition. Yes, but for people who have a strong and powerful connection with, the, with, with Australia, like the English Queen. Not not ordinary indigenous people who have have a strong and powerful yeah. connection of over sixty thousand oh, years you with probably, Australia. You probably don't even think that Daniel Andrews should be renaming the Marunda Hospital based oh, with a God. name that's derived from um, Aboriginal names to the Queen Elizabeth II Hospital. No, and you know what? That actually outweighed um, Matthew Guy saying that Queen Elizabeth was a great monarch in the tradition of you know King Arthur. <laughs> the monarchy of the United Kingdom is certainly one of history's most enduring institutions. Tracing its history back as far as the petty, kingdom of, petty kingdoms of Anglo-Saxon England and early medieval Scotland, it's an institution that can draw on centuries of history, in fact over 1,000 years back to the House of Wessex. And in all those times, in all those monarchs from figures well known, King Arthur, Henry VIII and so on, the longest reigning of them all was Queen Elizabeth II. I actually quite liked um, Tim Smith completely plagiarising. So Tim Smith, that uh, the Liberal MP, far right, like off, off the deep end, far right. Oh, very. In, in Victoria. The one who, who got drunk and drove his expensive car into a, a bit, child's bedroom. Yeah, But yeah. isn't he also the one who sits there and talks about, like, this is what they're teaching your kids, but it's actually not anything that any kids have yeah, ever been taught? No, 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 that's Bernie Finn. That's, that's Bernie Finn, okay, and he's sorry. Now, he's now left the libs and now he's... he's They've revived the name of the Democratic Labor Party. He's oh, not, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's and, so many wild right-wing nutters in the Victorian Liberals that I forget. The, so this is what Smith wrote, um, massively just ripping off Churchill, but this is a kind of brainworm. Like, who writes this sort of nonsense? To His Majesty the King, Buckingham Palace. Sir, I write to offer my sincere condolences to you and your family on the death of our late sovereign Queen Elizabeth II of blessed and glorious memory. The loyalty your mother enjoyed from all over the Commonwealth of Australia, the United Kingdom and other parts of the Commonwealth will pass to you. I have lived all my life in the tranquil glories of the second Elizabethan age, but I look forward to the first Elizabethan time... Elizabethan age? Oh, oh wow. it's the second Elizabethan age, yes. But I wow. look forward for the first time reciting the prayer and the anthem, God save the King. I also swear by almighty God that I and the, pe and the people of Q, who, Tim, didn't ask to be brought into your lunacy. Anyway, 
will be faithful and bear true allegiance to you, our sovereign Charles III, by the grace of God, King of Australia, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, and to your heirs and successors according to law. I have the honour to be, sir, your majesty's humble and obedient servant. I did have a friend raise something uh, about Canada, which also plays for Australia. So Australia didn't exist previously with other Charleses. Does that mean that he's not Charles III, King of Australia? Like, he's Charles III, King of, you know. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point, but also who gives a shit? I'm just curious. Um, Um, But that is so fawning and obsequious. And I think the people of Q would be like, what the F? We we didn't ask you to write this sort of nonsense. No, that being said, they did vote for Tim Smith, some of them. True. How is it? Yeah, true. I mean, well... Yeah, so Some of them might be really down with it. I, 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 the problem, the, the stupid thing where every, every flag around the country has been at half mast is still. I guess, I guess the, pro, I guess the problem there is that the people who will own flagpoles are the kinds of idiots who'd fly their flags at half mast. That's okay. Do you know what? We have to keep our flags at half mast for ten days past the funeral. Do, do we? Well, not we, but like. I, I did. I did like Albo's pathetic effort. Yeah. Mr. Albanese recalled the Queen's 16 visits to Australia, including a day at the races with former Prime Minister Bob Hawke in 1988, which he describes as "quote one of the most Australian experiences of all." Yes, the Queen of England came to a horse race, and I'm sure she was impressed by how definitively Australian the horse race was. Oh, and those little stories I, I saw on the Guardian, like one of the anecdotes from this morning from the condolences, is that you know when she visited Western Australia, she sat in a chair, and that chair is still referred to as the throne, and and stories are still told. And I'm like, what was the shovel one? The, the satire was like um, the ABC interviewing somebody who had a queen mattress. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, and and they're linked to the queen. Yeah. Anyway, it's ridiculous. So look, let, let's get talking talking about our ridiculous government. Let's talk about the what what we've had since we switched from the appalling shithole that was Scummo's um, regime of lunatics to the uh, obviously always going to be horrifically disappointing Albo regime. The most important thing that I can see that they, they could do, though there are two fundamentally huge things that any government that was run by people who are not psychopaths was run by people who had basic respect for decent. For human for humanity, there are two things they would do immediately. One of them immediately restore social security to the poverty, uh, no less at than least the poverty, the line, poverty line, line, yeah. line, rather than leaving it half the poverty line, and two uh, stop d- um, detaining refugees and transporting them offshore. Good. So we've done neither of those things. No, so of course not. Good. Um, what Albo did do, they did they did go and immediately go around the Pacific and try and repair some of the relationships that Scummo had deliberately sabotaged out of just sheer. Like you never be sure how much of it is malevolence and how much of it is incompetence. It's kind of like Malompetence. I, I suppose you could really define the, the malompetence. Do 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 do. Malompetence. Do 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 do. Malompetence. Do 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 do. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. Right. Yes, yeah, I think malompetence is kind of the, the definitive characteristic of scumbags. Anyway, so they did that. They did legislate their half-assed compromise position on climate change which is well short of what's needed to actually avoid look it. by like 2040 we will make some effort to fix climate change yeah but the problem is with their compromise one is it's kind of worse of both worlds because you it's enough that it'll piss off people who say that we shouldn't be doing anything and you'll be able to ascribe some costs to it but it, it's not enough that it will make any kind of actual improvement and also it's not enough that it actually enables australia to go and go around the like the biggest impact that australia could be making is to be Doing our part at home and then advocating vehemently overseas to the much bigger countries 
to persuade them, you know, as part of... You kind of need to have a global consensus to do something about it. And we obviously you can't do that when you're polluting much more per capita than, than the country yeah, that China tells to do more. Like, it's all very well to say China pollutes a lot more. Well, cool, we need to be able to persuade them to stop. Yeah. And we can't do that when we're polluting more per capita than they are. And selling them more coal. Yes. When everybody's like, oh, well, what about China? Why aren't you doing anything about China? But literally, the, you're, you're the ones who are making sure that we can't. You're saying... We won't be able to do anything, so we don't have any moral credibility. And also, beyond that, we've deliberately set things up so that we are specific. We spend a lot our our international influence, or we have under under Scummo, and there's no indication it's changing under Labor, trying to sabotage these deals. But of course, there is the other argument we can make, which is, of course, climate change isn't real because currently dams are full. Oh my God! Yeah. So the Flannery thing that, like, so we've had obviously we're having floods this week in Australia and. The water's a bit high near where we are in Wangaratta. And you get uh, Muppets going, Tim Flannery said that the dams would never be full again. No, well, actually what he said was there would be periods where the dams wouldn't be full. Like, if you actually look back to the late light interview that they're talking about, that's not, actually not... He didn't say they'd never be full again. He said that there would be times when there would be rains, but the dams wouldn't be full because... Anyway. It, yes, it, it, he said there will be a time when rains that come won't fill our dams. Um, but it that's was, not all times forever. No, exactly. There will be times when they won't, when they should be. Anyway, apart from anything else, and also Tim Flannery is not the definitive climate. Like, he, he um, had a, a role in the climate bodies at that point. First of all, that's a long time ago. Second of all, he didn't speak for everybody else. Thirdly, Monty has something to say. <laughs> in any case, the, the general consensus on climate change from the world's climate scientists who are the ones saying we should do something about it is that you will get more floods. You will get horrific scenarios like in Pakistan at the moment. Floods do not disprove that the earth is warming. They are a predictable result of shifting climate. You will also get um, more severe winters because the whole point about shifting climate is that it moves weather patterns around. So in certain localised areas, you will have it be the patterns that previously moderated temperature will stop and then you'll get extreme. That's just what happens. The planet's climate is... Weather systems around the planet... It's changing. The climate is changing and the world's planet... The the weather systems that that are part of that are are shifting and developing and... And And becoming destabilised. And it's complex systems, so you can't predict exactly, but what you can say is that it is very likely that as the planet heats, which is definitively happening... We're going to get more chaos, and we don't, yeah. and and we don't have a backup planet, and we don't know. We can't predict exactly what's going to happen because we haven't been dumb enough to do this to the planet before. And if you look already at how destabilized our food systems have become due to something like COVID and a global pandemic, so the ability to get food and 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 um, harvest that food and that sort of thing, yeah. you also have when you have flooding seasons like this, what you have is issues with waterlogged crops. So then other crops aren't happening. So that further destabilizes our food system. Like yeah, the there are is- huge issues that we're having right now, and you see that played out in the grocery stores and prices, and that's going to continue anyway. Our Labour government did something really positive and did a half-assed effort with dealing with that. So that's good. The worst thing is that we're coming up to the budget, which is due next month, uh, um, and Labour is making it very clear that they will not be getting rid of the ludicrously expensive Stage 3 tax cuts that only go to the very, very top. Like they, you're, we, you're not going to benefit from them. It's only no. unless you're unless you're one of our uh, platinum tier listeners. <laughs> um, but we need a platinum tier. We do need a platinum tier. It's, it's just a huge. It's going to be a big boy budget. It's good. That I hate that idea. I hate this idea. Like it's going to be a big boy budget. It's going to be a tough budget. It's going to it's going to mm. make the tough calls that need to be made. Nothing makes a Labour treasurer feel 
like more of a responsible, good government than kicking the poor in the face. Yes. Oh, I mean, they did try and take great credit for the largest rise in social security in 30 years. Well, first of all, uh, no, actually, the largest rise was during COVID when it was restored, when it was brought up to the poverty line. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, you dickheads also supported Labor, the Liberals when they cut it back to half the poverty line again last year. Mm. But we literally had it at the poverty line. That's That was the highest increase, not the inflation, the CPI increase that it just had, which is, again, only because... Inflation's so terrible. The, mm. the, the increase that just came to social to social security is not, in real terms, more than actually the increase in what everything costs. It's just that CPI, which doesn't keep pace with inflation, meant that there was going to be a larger CPI increase than previously. You didn't yeah. do anything nice to do that, and and it's and it's and in real terms, it's a cut. So stop boasting about it. Like the way they sold it was like the biggest increase in in thirty years or something, as if they'd done something kind for the poor. Yeah, which is it. As a lie, it's misleading. It's it's fucking patronising and insulting to assume people to swallow this tribe. And fundamentally, no dickheads. It was at the poverty line. Yeah, you. It has been halved. Put it back to the poverty line. And instead, they're like, no, we're absolutely not going to do that. That's we do not have the funds in this budget. We don't have the funds to do a tax cut for the rich. And we have to do that because we promised before the election. Which, again, goes back to, I don't know, the last podcast we did. Every other time we've talked about this, before the election where Labor goes, we have to make these promises so that we can win. But don't worry, we can we can govern competently in government. No, you feel bound by... You don't feel bound by any promises you make to the left. But you always feel bound by promises you make to yeah. the right. Which is idiotic because the right aren't going to vote for you anyway. Well, they have, they have, they are carrying through on a couple of their promises. They are looking to get rid of the cashless debit card. Uh, so it went through the House. It was supposed to go to Senate this week. But, haha, no Parliament this week. The Greens are pushing because while it gets rid of the cashless debit card, it doesn't get rid of the basics card, which is uh, still well, you know, uh, income management, and it doesn't get rid of any okay, other. So they're not getting rid of it. Well, they're getting rid of the cashless debit card, not the basics card. But what? The, the same problems applies to both. I know. What, what and they don't have any transition. That's misleading. Planning. I thought they, they were getting rid of. I thought they were actually getting rid of the cashless card. No, they're cards. not. They're not getting rid of. They're only getting rid of the. What's the basics card? card other than a cashless debit card? It, the basics card is a different card. It's used in the Northern is Territory. Is it not a cashless debit yes, card? Yes, it is. Um, so what? But and the idea with with their plan was that people would be able to just opt out from. It was supposed to be from like September nineteenth, but obviously that's delayed now. But there's no real transition plan and there's no discussion of like how they're going to work with communities. So uh, the Greens are pushing for a, a transition plan and for them to release the figures on how much the Indu card costs to run and for that transition plan to include that money to be reinvested in those communities, like whatever the Indu card was costing us to run, but also to get rid of all forms of income management, including the basics card. Damn right, income management is obscene. Yeah, it is. It is It is absolutely demeaning, and it is horrible. Well, and of course, you- Dutton is on the news this morning again, talking about how... Um, with what they're what the Greens are pushing for and what Labour's pushing for by getting rid of this card. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't. It was Michael Suker. Sorry, it was Michael Suker who was on the news talking about how we are just going to publicly fund those people to buy dr- substances. Yeah, yeah. Poor, because because of course. Those the, people the to buy substances, the, oh, to buy see, substances yeah. that harm themselves and their yeah, communities. That's right. That's right. So let's let's just fucking defame the poor. The poor, the poor are the people mm-hmm. who use drugs and bad shit. Whereas we rich people, are, oh, oh, we don't use drugs. Rich people don't use drugs. No, 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 exactly. No, no but no. the thing is, rich people use drugs that are allowed to be used. Um, the, no, they also use the drugs that they're not. Allowed oh no, to no, use. but but they're but they're, it's a different kind of drug. If they're using coke, it's okay. The it's other, insane. Like, the wait. other issue, of course, is that even if people are using drugs and alcohol. 
we have put them into a situation, we have created a situation where we have driven people to shitty lives. You know what? You know what? Dr- drugs are probably cheaper than... If, if you have got if you can't afford a house and you're sleeping out on the, on the riverbank, oh, well, maybe you can buy a couple of drugs. You, it's not enough. You don't have enough money for rent, but maybe you can get a couple of drugs to stay alive, to stay sane or to try and mm. mitigate your pain and agony as you, you're homeless. Like, fuck these assholes. The, the idea that they are... The demon. They, they, their first instinct is to demonise the poor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have to manage the poor because they're dumb idiots. Yeah. They're dumb idiots who don't eat, who don't know how to get food. They can't pay manage their money. They're just. It's not that they don't have enough money because you're paying them half the poverty line. It doesn't matter how well you manage it. It's mm. not enough there. Did you see this thing too? Workforce Australia. So this is a Australian government agency. They want to add people on uh, job seeker. <sighs> Stop calling it. It's, it's, it's Social Security is supposed to be bottom line. They were with the minimum require, mutual requirements thing, which is again <laughs> horrific right wing framing. They they're going to do a new test. Um, you you must submit good quality applications. I'm reading this off the Workforce Australia site. We check the quality of your job applications to make sure you're applying for the right kind of jobs. We may reject your applications, i.e., starve you. Mm. If you don't tailor your efforts to the job or industry. Use a variety of methods as required. What's this from me? Apply for jobs in a diverse range of fields. If, so simultaneously, you have to be applying for jobs that are, that are appropriate for you, but also a diverse range. Mm. If we find you submit a poor quality job application on purpose, we will reject it. This means you might not meet your job search requirement. You could get a demerit and your payment may be affected by which we mean. We can. We will arbitrarily punish you. Well, we'll this sta- is another by, great... by starving you. We'll arbitrarily starve you. This is another great one, which is that the Department of Social Services figures for June showed that uh, 43% of the people on Social Security, on JobSeeker, only have a partial capacity to work, meaning they can only work 15 to 30 hours a week. And that includes about half of them, just under about 40% of those people have mental health conditions. 30% have musculoskeletal or connective uh, tissue conditions. Yeah, but go and pick fruit. 7,300 on the job seeker payment had cancer or tumor listed as their condition, but the, apparently they're blocked from disability support. Anyway, spend so there's all remaining... of these things where people are on job seeker can't get onto NDIS or disability support, and you know, but that's okay. Make them work more. While you're dying of cancer, what we require you to do is to keep. Tra- so you're 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 60. Nobody is going to hire you. Like they don't, they don't want older workers, but we expect you to spend your remaining years as you die of cancer or your remaining months in order so that you can have a half poverty payment that can't cover your rent, let alone your medical care. What we expect you to do is to be carefully tailoring a ludicrous number of diverse job applications each week mm-hmm. just just to punish you. It's not going to work. Yeah. It just, it's just because, again, it's the whole, you know, if people are poor or if people are without work, We've got to find a way that it's their fault and to punch them in the face and, and until until they give up. And then we're like, oh, look, our, our figures are better because people have dropped off the Social Security because they've just given up. Oh, great. Yeah, well, anyway, it's just monstrous. Anyway, the Labour Party, when it pretends that it cares about workers, the, the straightforward thing that I... have you Has anybody listening to this ever heard the Labour Party say this? Social Security being at the poverty line protects your wages and conditions. It means that you have options and it means that workers have to pay you better than the poverty line in order, and, and then and then everybody up from that, it pushes up wages in general. But that'll hurt small business. <laughs> if you can't hire workers without paying them below the poverty line, if you can't offer some, if you want people to work for you and they're still going to be below the poverty line, then you shouldn't be in business. Yeah, there's a problem with our uh, structural capitalist model, but yeah. Anyway, I guess what we've learned here is that just because we no longer have a scummo government 
just because now that we have a Labour government, there is still going to be plenty of stuff that requires ongoing coverage in Lefty Podcasts. I'd like to thank all of our podcast subscribers who have kept supporting the podcast. Uh, there are actually are ongoing cuts even when we fail to actually upload a new episode, but keeping the website going and keeping the hosting going as well, they actually they keep charging us every month regardless. Um, but we do want to keep the podcast going. We have, uh, obviously, it's been a bit more challenging with uh, small children than uh, prior to small children. But we, we, but we think we have a Friday morning schedule thing happening now and worked out. Yeah, we, so we, we, ho- we, we, can make it, we hope we can make it weekly again. Um, and uh, so thank you to everybody who's kept the podcast going. You are, in fact, how it, how it can keep going. And also um, thank you to everybody who leaves a positive review on iTunes. Uh, also, engaging with us at Well May We Say on Twitter is uh, probably the best way to engage directly with, with this episode and also any things you want us to discuss on the next episode. Thank you to Robin Gray for the music, Alex Lum for the artwork. Thank you for coming back, darling, to the podcast. Always happy to be here. And we'll see you all. Look, I feel I feel that the... We run- will see you next week. Yeah, I feel like we can commit to this. We've got the runs on the board. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Yes.